Krishna, great to have you here on the Venari podcast and an in-person interview. You know, usually we're doing them via Teams or Zoom, but it's actually nice having someone in person and kind of exchanging ideas. Um, how are things on your side? So at Cubic Transportation Systems, it's really exciting time at the minute. Um, there's lots going on in the industry. A lot of agencies around the world are looking to upgrade their systems, be it on the road or on public transport. And uh, there's a whole bunch of new technology that's coming out, whether it's contactless payments, smart motorway infrastructure, um, smart signaling and camera infrastructure on the main roads, um, even detecting uh, vehicles going the wrong way and making wrong turns on the roads. So I think uh, the next generation of technology for the future is going to be exciting and we're excited to work on it. Uh, it's really exciting. So I remember the first time we kind of were introduced, it was all to do with Transport Ticketing Global. Uh, and I know you were on a panel discussion there and obviously we'll jump into that um, shortly. But yeah, as you mentioned, incredibly busy time for Cubic and for yourself and everything that's going on as well across mobility. The topic obviously we're going to be discussing today is all to do with like inclusivity uh, within mobility, but also diversity uh, in terms of the wider transportation I would say industry as a whole. Um, now you mentioned, and we both mentioned Transport Ticketing Global. How was the event, just in general? The event was amazing. So it actually made me smile so much because there was a queue for the women's toilets. And that's always a great sign, right? Because you go to these <laughs> events and usually there's so many more men than women at these yeah. events. And this time it was notably di different. Like every direction you looked in, you could see a woman. And it's not just because they were in like an admin role, you know, looking after the booth, they were from all kind of different levels within the um, workplace from director level to like product managers, engineers. So it was so nice to see more women, but also people of different ethnicities and backgrounds and even people coming from different countries want, wanting to learn from one another. So the diversity of thought and people and conversations were so magical there. Brilliant. And obviously you were on a panel discussion all to do with like women in transport and, you know, kind of what needs to be done moving forward in terms of is it diversity, inclusivity? Do you mind give us a bit of a background in terms of kind of that panel piece? Yeah. So the panel discussion was really about how do we build an ecosystem with the lens of the users in mind? Okay. So when we think about especially public transportation, more than 50% of the users are women, but it wasn't designed yeah. for women in mind. So we can't change the past, but we can take that history into account and build for the future. But in transportation, we rarely do that. We rarely think from the lens of the users, like if women are using it, how are they finding the payments or the journeys or the scheduling? Is it safe for them? If they've got kids, is it easy for them with prams and you know all of that kind of stuff? But even in the road side of um, things, it's like, are we building technology that's, again, geared towards people with mobility issues or people that are from different backgrounds, language, you know, signages and all of that kind of stuff. So it was a really powerful discussion about the importance of needing women within the workplace, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because they're our user base. So they'll significantly have insights that are going to help build the right products, execute it and therefore increase revenues or reduce congestion, whatever the agency's goals are. Yeah, and there's so much to do because I remember like I was reading Invisible Women by Caroline Perez and you look at like the 2014 United um, Nations Commission where they were talking about the status of women, how there's a male bias in the planning, provision and like the design of the like transportation systems and that's 2014. And now we're in 2023 and you wonder, you know, have we kind of, you know, moved forward? Have we kind of taken that into consideration? Have there been changes? You know, from speaking on that panel, you know, what were your thoughts in terms of the progress that's been made? Um, so firstly, this is a really side antidote, but I found really funny. Go Even going onto the stage speaking, they mic you up. And I wasn't dressed appropriately for the mic. 
because there was nothing for it to be clipped onto because I wasn't wearing a shirt, I was wearing a dress and I didn't have a pocket for them to clip oh, right. it inside. So they were like, oh, well, wh- where are we going to put it? And they're like, we're really sorry, it's going to have to be on your back of your bra strap. And like, it was, a, it was such an awkward moment and it was like, oh, I should have thought about what I was going to wear before I went on knowing that I've got to be mic'd up. But even the mic systems and speakers and stuff like that, it's built for men because men wear shirts and you can be clipped onto it, whereas yeah. I wasn't. So just before I even got onto a panel, I'm like, well, here's discrimination on how something <laughs> as simple as a mic has been built with a man in mind and not a woman. But um, within the industry as a whole, I think a lot of progression has been made. We're seeing a lot more, and it doesn't just have to be women. It can be people of different backgrounds, ethnicities, regions. Um, and I think there have been strides made, but I think not enough at the minute. There's little strides being made in terms of people signing pledges, people doing pilots, taking their foot in the right direction, um, investing in STEM groups, or in the UK, there's something called the STEM Returners Programme. So women that have taken a break in their career for children or just a career break or to travel or whatever it might be, they find it hard to get back into um, work. So they sign up to this UK uh, pilot called the STEM Returners Programme. And so we can then, um, companies like Cubic, when we're looking for jobs and recruitment and we're like, hey, we're lacking women's CVs. So in a lot of companies, they want to hire more women, but the CVs they're getting through aren't from women. So they're like, well, what do you want us to do? And we're like, yeah, that's an interesting problem. So we can go to the STEM Returners program and there's just a whole bunch of women there. But until companies do hold themselves accountable in regards to, hey, we're going to set a quota that we want 30%, 40% of the workplace to be not just women, but it might be women, ethnic backgrounds, whatever it might be, and trying to rebalance that um, collaboration and calibrate it towards a more wider range of um, applicants for people to kind of sift through. So, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think whenever we're discussing, you know, recruitment for the companies we work with, it's always, you know, there's a need for obviously demographic, um, you know, diversity, but also thinking about, you know, cognitive diversity, neurodiversity, and the wider thought processes, because as we all know, you know, whenever we're speaking with individuals, often friendship groups, work groups, you often kind of mirror with each other and kind of invite people in who are very similar to us. You know, we have that nice warm feeling where someone kind of reciprocates uh, our ideas uh, and kind of moving away from that to kind of bring together more of a melting pot of ideas. And you mentioned, obviously, in terms of the user experience, you know, in terms of rail, you know, France is two thirds of their user female. I know in Philadelphia and Washington, again, two thirds yet the majority of users or the individuals actually making the planning and provisions are all male. Mm. Um, so there needs to be a change, I think, from a, also a thought process, not only demographically, but in terms of the actual user themselves, you know, different backgrounds, you know, who's actually using this? Um, I was going to say from Cubic's standpoint, you know, from a recruitment area, what are you guys doing to make things different? When we're thinking about how we're designing our technology, um, we've actually partnered with a university uh, in Canada called McMaster University. Yeah. So we've created a partnership where we've actually hired more than like 100 academics um, oh, right. that are working on the research side of products. So as an example, as we're building up the next generation of products within transit and even smart motorways and smart mobility, uh, we're using a lot of machine learning, AI, VR experience to try and understand um, how a customer's journey is through different personas yeah. And we can actually put ourselves through the lens of somebody. It's really interesting because when we experience something, it's like that kinetic learning. When we're learning, we remember more. So even if we can't have the person in the room, once we've experienced it, it's a completely different shift in your mindset and thought process when you're building things or doing anything 
as we're building it out. So it's not like, oh, it's too late because we've already done it now and this is what you're going to get, you know? So that's really important for us. Perfect. I remember you mentioning, obviously, when we're going to events and rolling out these VR headsets so people can actually experience it as well because, as you all know, we'll both know, like when you go to these events, often they can be quite boring sometimes mm. in terms of the interaction that you have with different stands. Having like that VR headset and kind of giving the user an insight to what this could look like, whether it's a new station or, or a new area or, or a new, let's say, airport terminal, it will be, I think, a lot more, I would say, interactive and a lot more fun let's be honest yeah. you probably attract more people who want to come over to the stand and kind of get an insight to it as well aside from what cubic does i think vr has such a powerful um tool that people can use because like you're saying even how do you build a next generation of stations and stuff like a lot of agencies a lot of cities are in a great position where they are building from scratch when the tfl did elizabeth line they worked with a whole host of partners to make sure that they learned from their history and now they're building stations that are accessible not just with people in wheelchairs, but like eyesight issues and color blindness and stuff. So they chose the coloring of the line purple with that in mind, even the way they created their digital signs and how it was placed and the configuration of it was all built with like accessibility in mind. So people could see the signs easier, read it, and therefore the better informed they are, the better they move around the station, the better the flow is, the less resistance there is at a gate line, the more thoroughput there is, and the more people are getting onto the train safely. Yeah, I know. Speaking with like rail clients in the US, you know, who have actually experienced the, the Elizabeth line, it's it, they love it in terms of like, you know, the interaction piece, but kind of the way it's set out. So, yeah, clearly TFL and obviously yourselves have done an incredible job in terms of kind of that layout and what needs to be done. And look, Krishna, again, thank you so much for kind of joining us uh, today for this conversation. Uh, incredibly insightful and looking forward to hearing how things develop. Brett, thank you.